Welcome to episode 94 of the Culture Bucket Podcast. Welcome to episode... Welcome your... Hello. That was perfect. What's wrong with you? I'm trying to make it rhyme. Ah. <laughs> Hello. Uh, welcome to your best... Welcome to episode 94. This is your best podcast. What 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 is this thing about rhyming it's now just that you have? Fun. It's a fun little challenge. It's not fun. Um it's fun when it's natural, not when you're trying to find a rhyme. This is episode ninety-four. Start you, again. You're gonna have a good time. No, I won't start a good that's the start. Oh this is episode ninety-four is gonna leave you in awe. Yeah, it sounds a bit like a a what? white person rapping. <laughs> well, well I guess I guess it's, that statement is true. My name is George, and I'm here to say I like to host podcasts in a comical way. Okay. Yeah. If it wasn't clear, this is the podcast where two best mates do a do a podcast where they talk about all their best pop culture stuff, like films, etc., music, etc., video games, occasionally, etc., books, etc. Um. This one is going to be a culture catch-up special where we're going to talk about some of the stuff we've been looking at and reading and watching, etc., listening to in the past few weeks. Um, and then next week we'll continue with our usual, uh, well, our current run of specials where we're doing the culture bucket of our lives. Hope you're enjoying that. Uh, but for now, I'm going to ask you to rate us. I'm going to ask you to review us. I'm going to ask you to tell your friends, minions, nemeses, etc. about us. And um, if you'd like to do any of those things, you can find links to all of our social media channels and places to review us and somewhere to buy us a coffee if you'd like to on the link tree page, which is linked to in the show notes for this episode. So please go there. Uh, yeah, thank you for that. Um, let's go. Should we go? Is it time to start? Let's go. Good. Culture. But you didn't, you didn't say hi to me. Though. Hi, Alex. Sad. Hi, George. How are you today? Great. Good. How are you today? <laughs> I'm good. Good. I'm very good. I'm good. Yes. I'm George, and I'm good. Hi, George. Hi. And you're good. Yeah. You don't sound good. <clears throat> you sound like you've got a frog in your throat. No. I. <laughs> are you sure? I've got. I am. I am. I. I, I am a little bit poorly. I'm afraid, but it's fine. I'm gonna push through. I've got lemon sip. I've got a. I've got a lemon and ginger and honey tea. I've got strawberry and lime. No, strawberry and watermelon. Uh, squash in a jar again. Oh, in the pickle jar. In the, nice. In the pickle jar. Um, shall we start? Yeah, let's do some culture catch up. Some culture catch up. This is culture catch up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. I've been mostly watching movies, <clears throat> been watching TV a little bit, but I've been watching Parks and Recreation, which isn't really something new to talk about, but uh, after how 
much we've enjoyed Aubrey Plaza and Nick Offerman recently in their various HBO projects, I decided to yes. go back and watch some Parks and Recreation, and I love it. And it's mad to watch people like Chris Pratt, who I now find close to intolerable. Um, <laughs> and it reminds me why I used to really, really like Chris Pratt, because he's so very good and funny in Parks and Recreation. Mm. Um, something happened. He became a movie star. Yeah, he did become a movie star. He's not the average Joe anymore. No. He's a muscular Joe now, and uh, he he's all Christian and stuff. Yeah, which is you know, I guess it's fine. Just don't be, uh, don't be annoying with it. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, um, his father-in-law is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Weird, so weird. I never, <laughs> right. I never thought about that. <clears throat> yeah, well, he's married to, her, ne- to Arnold's daughter, right? So, yeah, but I never, I, for some reason, I never put that that his father-in-law is Arnie. Yeah. Wow, that oh, is no. pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> that's the only real TV I've been watching. I've been listening to uh, an album. I've been listening to "This Is Why" by Paramore. Oh. Yeah, their latest album came out, and it's a bit of a banger. Is it? Yeah. Well, it, so there's there's different there's different schools of thought. <laughs> I would say, hey, it's a banger. Haley Williams seems more full of energy and excited to be with the band than I can remember, mm. and uh, the lyrics are the lyrics of someone who's in their thirties rather than someone who's a teenager, like they used to be, you know, they've matured. Yeah. She's talking about not giving enough time to her, to her commitments in life and how that kind of is, she's a point where she calls herself a selfish prick, which is not a phrase you hear often in songs, especially from Americans. Um, and it's a good, it's a good album. It's got some good, good singles on it. And then some good mellower things that feel a bit like her solo work that she did. That was quite clearly inspired by the sort of Taylor Swift, uh, Aaron Desner era, Aaron Desner's influence reaching far and wide. I feel so. That's what I feel about it. But you could also say, um, you could also say this: Haley Williams and Co. pivot to jittery, crackling post-punk on their sixth album. But the monotone vocals and political lyrics don't always play to their strengths. Oh, is this Pitchfork? That's, from, that's, from, that's what Pitchfork think about it. Oh, I. I don't think they listen to albums. I'm... I think they just listen to like a couple of songs because I've got an album that I'm going to talk about later and it's a really good album. And the review is just ridiculous. Yeah, <clears throat> bizarre. Anyway, it's a good album. I, uh, the, the reason I read that out is because the vocals aren't monotone. I don't understand what they mean by that. I don't yeah, understand what they I... mean by it. What do they mean by that monotone vocal? She's, she's using no a whole rate. She's got a powerful voice. Hayley Williams. <laughs> well, she only uses three words in the entire album. <laughs> what? Well, just... This is why. Monotone. This, this is, why. is why. This is this why. This is why. This is why. Anyway. This is why. <laughs> I think you should listen to it. I'm a big... Par- I love Paramore. We're going to talk about Paramore a little bit later in another episode. Next week, you'll hear more about Paramore. Um, but... For now, I think it's a good album. People should check it out. Um, it's it. You know, the, the I'm seeing them in a few months in Manchester. Oh, nice. Yeah, and uh, they're supported by Block Party. Um, oh, yeah, which is a cool 
That's going to wow. be a cool evening. And uh, you can sense the Black Party uh, influence on this album, you know. And that is mentioned really in that little, that little picture, a bit like the jittery, angular guitars and mm. stuff. It does feel Black Party-ish at times in a cool way, mm. but then you've got... But it's a bit monotone, isn't it? Mm, a little bit. Anyway. <laughs> I think they do a service to music, actually, Pitchfork, because every Pitchfork review I have read has made me like the album more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what they want, really. Well, yeah. Uh, do they, though? Well, they, when, they, when it's an album they like, such as uh, SOS by Scissor. Yeah. Um, but when it's an album they don't like, such as This Is Why by Paramore. They gave it yeah, 6.3, but... actually, so it's not as if they hate it, but it's just, I don't know. Well, it's not... Shut up. Yeah. yeah. Not a 6.3, it's like an 8.2. 7. 7. 8.7. Oh. Um, <clears throat> uh, now I'm going to talk about some films. I'm going to talk about one, two, three, four, five movies that I've watched uh, since we last recorded. I know. Five movies. That's, all that's of amazing. them in... No, four of them in the cinema, one of them at home. And, oh, Oh. What a movie that was. Uh, first of all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this movie. What movie do you think I'm going to talk about? Um, Knock at the Cabin. Knock on the Cabin Door. Yes. Uh, is, it, is, it not, is it not Knock at the Cabin? It's called Knock at the Cabin. Yeah. Sorry. Knocking on Cabin Door. That's what it's called. Um, based on a book. Based on a book called uh, The Cabin at the End of the World by an author called Paul Tremblay. I've not read that book, but I have read a book called Head Full of Ghosts uh, that he wrote that was a very postmodern take on the uh, sort of exorcism type story and what is, mm. a, is one of my all-time favourite horror novels. Uh, so mm. I would recommend uh, going and checking that out just, just up top. But yeah, Knock at the Cabin. It's the latest from M. Night Shyamalan, uh, adapted from this novel, as I said. Mm. Uh, stars Dave Batista. Yeah. yeah, love that guy that, that, we, that we know well from, you know, stuff, everything really um, <laughs> Stars Dave Batista stars Jonathan Groff Who uh, people know as uh, a voice in the Frozen movies okay. As the king in the filmed version of Hamilton I think he originated the role of King George in that Um he was starred in Mindhunter on Netflix. I like Jonathan Groff, he's good. Uh, we've also got uh, Nikki Amuka Bird, who people would know from The Beach That Makes You Old, Man Like Shyamalan's mm. previous film. Rupert Grint pops up for a bit. Um, oh! Yeah, because he stars in a show called Servants that M. Night Shyamalan makes for um, Apple TV. So he's okay. sort of collected together some of his regulars, some people he obviously enjoys working with, and then some new people to his world, such as Dave Batista, Jonathan Groff. To make this movie about two men who are in a, a couple relationship who uh, and they have a daughter and they are staying in a cabin in the woods uh, on holiday and nice. suddenly four strangers arrive at the cabin, knock <clears> at <throat> the cabin uh, and ask yeah. to come in, led by uh, Leonard, played by Dave Batista, um, and they quickly overpower the two men and the young girl, tie them, in, tie them up and put them in chairs and then tell them, hey, guess what? One of you in the next day has to, well, the three of you over the course of the next day has to have to decide which of the three of you is going to die. And then the other two of you have to kill them. And if you don't huh? do this, the world will end. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, indeed. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. It's, so somebody's definitely going to die. Well, that's the idea. Um, but we all know that M. Night Shyamalan likes a twist or two. Um Twisty, twisty. Yeah, not that. But although, don't take that as any implication as to what happens over the course of the movie. Um, 
This film is mostly set in this, well, pretty much entirely set in this one location of the cabin and the surrounding woodland. Um, it is not very action-packed. It's not, mm. a, it's not, <clears throat> you know, when it first came out over here, it was playing on like super screens and big IMAX screens and stuff. It's not a big, uh, it's very well shot. I'm not sure one of his biggest strengths is cinematography. It looks gorgeous. But um, mm. yeah, there's not a ton of action. There's a lot of monologues and there's a lot of talking and there's a lot of opportunity for Dave Bautista to really demonstrate kind of how far he's come as an actor because he's asked, he's tasked with a lot of dialogue in this movie and a lot of dialogue that's very like, you know, he's got this tone all the way through of like, I'm so sorry that I have to come here and do this to you, but it's just, it's the only way it's going to work. And we all got these visions and he's just sort of describing and explaining and trying to justify mm. all the way through the movie what they're doing. <clears throat> and he does it amazingly well. And again, M. Night Shyamalan, similar to Denny Villeneuve and other directors before him, Sam Mendes, understands that if you take a great big man like Dave Bautista and make him wear a little tiny pair of glasses, it looks good on camera. <laughs> Um, because uh, what a guy, what a man! David T is so good. Uh, Glass Onion recently as well. He's he's he is the actor, uh, from mm. the world of wrestling, in my opinion. I I I have time for John Cena. I don't have time for The Rock, but um, Dave Batista is is my number one. Uh, he's so good. Yeah, the movie overall is decent. It's not Shyamalan's mm. best film, but it's very very far from his worst film. I had a good time with it. I'd recommend people go and check it out. Um, but yeah, you're mostly there for Dave Batista. The one problem with it is the problem that was also quite apparent in the beach that makes you old as well is the dialogue Shyamalan's dialogue is weird mm. there's a bit this is very early on so it's not a spoiler where Batista's turned up he's talking to this little girl and it suggests playing a game where they pluck the petals off a flower one at a time and each time they pluck a, a um, petal they can ask a question to the other so um, let's see he plucks a petal. Oh yeah, he plucks a petal and asks her what her favourite movie is and her answer is Kiki's Delivery Service. And I was like, yes, oh, this is a good little girl. Yes. <laughs> um, then she, this is my favourite. Yeah, she plucks a petal <laughs> and asks him why he's here or something and he says, oh, <clears throat> says something ominous to, you know, because to set up the movie. Then he plucks a petal and he says, why do you have that scar under your nose? And she's got like a little hair lip scar here, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. And her response is to kind of look down and look a bit sad for a moment. And Batista immediately says, and this is the clunkiest line of dialogue I can remember. He says, I'm sorry, when that was too personal a question, even for this game. What game? What are you talking about, Batista? <laughs> well, the, well the, what a weird the thing to of the say. Petal. Even for this game. We all know this game. <clears throat> the appropriate questions are more laid back. And what? What are you talking? Even for this game. It's such an odd, odd way to phrase. No human being would say that. I'm sorry, that's too personal a question, even for this game. Anyway, the movie is littered with odd, t odd lines of dialogue like that, and you either you you could either go, "This is terrible," and it would turn yeah. you off the movie, or you just go, "Do you know what? Shyamalan is a, a weird master filmmaker that works on his own speed in his own world, mm. and you just kind of go with it." And I kind of went with it, and I enjoyed it, so I'd recommend it. It was good. Uh, after that, I went to see a movie. <sighs> The latest film from um, another often described master filmmaker mm. uh, featuring the year's greatest comeback, Darren Aronofsky's The Whale. 
Yeah. yeah. I have mixed feelings about Daniel Aronofsky. I think it's more of a miss I think than a everyone hit. has mixed feelings about Darren. I think no, Darren I mean, like... Aronofsky has mixed feelings about Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> yeah. I just I just feel like he has made some good films, but I think he has made a lot of bad films. Well, let's quickly he made a movie called Pie, which I haven't seen. Have you seen that? Uh, no. I've made a movie called Requiem for a Dream, which I haven't seen. Have you seen that? Which is uh, a masterpiece. Okay. He made The Fountain with Hugh Jackman. Haven't seen that, but it's famously seen that uh, one. a bit messy. He made The Wrestler yeah. with um, Mickey, yeah. Mickey Rourke. Which is, I don't I, it's I, I watched it once and I was like, okay. It's, it's, a, it's, it's okay. And then he made a movie we disagree on, Black Swan, yeah, which I think I is great. You're not so no, keen. Then I he made like um, Noah, which I haven't seen. No. Then he made Mother with Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Have you seen that? No. That, everyone hated Mother. I loved it. That's my prob. That and Black Swan. I don't know. I I thought Mother was amazing, but it wasn't. Mm. It didn't do well. Everyone hated it. And that was in 2017. He's not made a movie since until today. Um, yeah. With the whale. So yeah, he kind of makes, and also he's kind of settled into. Like the wrestler, Black Swan, not Noah so much, maybe Mother and the Whale. Noah and mm. the Whale. That was a Mark Kamau joke. I like it. Um, Mother and the Whale and Black Swan and the Wrestler. He makes these films now. He seems to be attracted to making like character piece movies where, you know, or character study type films. Mm. Um, I don't quite know why he's decided that's his calling in life, but it seems to be what he keeps going back to. And yeah, so I kind of see what you mean. He's not necessarily, but he makes interesting films at the very least even if mm. they don't always work the whale is um an adaptation of a play written by an, a playwright called Samuel D Hunter and mm. the script for this movie was written by Samuel D Hunter adapting his own work which is i think the first warning sign that all might not be well um okay, <laughs> okay. it's it tells the story of a reclusive English teacher who wants to restore his relationship with his teenage daughter um, because he's going to, he, he believes he's going to die. And the reason he believes he's going to die is because he, he weighs, he weighs um, a lot. He weighs a lot. He's a, he's big. He, Brandon Fraser has mm. got a big fat suit on in this movie. Mm. There's been discussions about whether it should have been made with someone of an appropriate size. The thing is, anyone who is of the size that Brendan Fraser's character is meant to be would not be physically healthy enough to mm. to to make the film. I, 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 it's, I mean, it's a tough it's a tough one because you you know it, I don't really like yeah. fat suits. I, I hate Shallow Hal and yeah. Monica in Friends. Is that's the that's kind of the I don't like fat suits. I don't like that whole thing, fat shaming, etc. It's not good. Um, yeah. It makes people feel bad. It makes me feel bad. I don't like it. Um, but then this movie, if you're going to make this movie, that's kind of what you're going to end up having to do. And if you're going to cast anyone in this role, casting Brendan Fraser in a meta way kind of works because it's about someone who has become quite reclusive and Brendan Fraser over the few last few years due to mm. really serious trauma, physical trauma, mental trauma, abuse he's suffered in Hollywood that he's talked yeah. about publicly has ended up being quite reclusive for a few years, p- partly through his choice potentially, but also quite a lot through the choice of the industry around him. Um, so mm. seeing him return is great because I grew up and you grew up watching 
yeah. his films, and he's brilliant. And you know, the Mummy, Mummy Returns, that one about the man in the jungle. Um, uh, there, there are others as well. Looney, yeah. Looney Tunes back in action. He's very memorable guest roles in Scrubs. Um, yeah, yeah. He's good. He can do he can do action. He can do comedy, and he's always been very good. And you see it in Scrubs at doing sort of melancholy melodrama. Mm. Uh, tugging on the heartstring stuff, so he is the right choice for this role. If if anyone is the right choice for this role, who isn't the size the role demands, so he's big. He's a big guy. He can't yeah. stand up without the help of a walker. He needs. He just basically constantly needs care and supervision. Most of that comes from his best friend, uh, played by Hong Chow, who you will know as the um lead assistant to uh Ralph Fiennes in the menu you know the actress oh yeah um, yeah I really like her. she is phenomenal in this movie that's the mm. thing about this movie I don't like this movie but Brendan Fraser is incredible in it Hong mm. Chow is incredible in it Sadie Sink who plays Max in Stranger Things plays yeah. Charlie's daughter in this movie she's very good in a role that is very difficult because I, I don't want to it goes it gets into spoiler territory but oh, good lord the character she plays in this film um, <coughs> and yeah, the entire movie, because it's based on a play, takes place inside his house, in his apartment, mm. um, and characters come and go, primarily his daughter, his friend, um, Sadie, no, sorry, uh, Liz, played by Hung Chow, and a character called Thomas, who is a, um, a sort of Jehovah's Witness, but not, mm. not, not a Jehovah's Witness, because he's from some sort of religious cult that is invented, I think, for the film. If they exist in real life, I don't know about it, and I'm sorry, but it seems like it's a cult that exists for the purpose of the movie. He he turns up at the very start of the film um, uh, to try and um, recruit, as it were, uh, Brendan Fraser's character. Okay. And then he keeps coming back throughout the movie, and this is the problem with the film, is because it's based on a play, there's about five characters in it, because in a in a low budget play you'd have five actors, yeah, and the characters keep turning up again and again when they don't have any real reason to, and it doesn't mm. really make them feel like real people. It makes them feel like they exist to be a symbolic of something, for okay. for Charlie, and Fraser's character, um, and ultimately that's what I didn't like about the movie is um, not so much about the fat suit and all that stuff, although that does make me feel a bit uncomfortable, but the film itself is very, very maudlin and obsessed with the like sim- sim- symbolism and what things symbolically represent and things having more meaning, characters attaching more meaning to things than any real person in real life ever would. There's, a, there's an essay that Brendan Fraser's character reads over and over again. Um, and the, result, the, the, the ultimate, like, this is what the essay was about or who wrote it, you could have guessed from the start. It's not a particularly interesting twist and no one in real life would be that obsessed with one particular thing in their life, if that makes sense. But because it's a play or because it's based on a play, Mm. it represents some, it it just, it just felt stagey and I didn't care for it. The whale is not for me, Mm. but part of me hopes that Brendan Fraser still wins an Oscar for it because I, Mm. I think he's very good. He's doing the he's doing the absolute best job he can in the film, and the, the the shortcomings are to do with the writing and the direction and stuff. In my opinion, yeah, that's the whale. Um, <laughs> yeah, because the 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 best thing I've heard about it was the 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 acting in it, but 
did you did you not find the emotional connection between the characters? Because I've heard it's quite upsetting as a film. Is that yeah? It is. Do you it, find it, that? Yeah, it's very upsetting because there okay. are people that just treat Charlie awfully. Um. Mm. So yeah, there are bits and pieces that are upsetting, and it does tug on the heartstrings at times. But the, the, mm. as a whole, it just doesn't come together for me. Mm. Yeah, you're gonna watch it. Uh, yeah, I guess at some point I will. Mm. Um, like like I said, uh, with uh, with Aronofsky, I'm just a little bit. Uh, it's just a little bit too much sometimes that it just like like what you're saying makes sense in other movies that he's made. Yeah, there's just too much. Um, maybe trying too hard to make symbolisms out of stuff, yeah. but then losing the point or losing the trajectory of the story. Yeah. So, Which works for me sometimes, um, but just didn't work for me at all mm, in this one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would like to watch it, I think, but I, I'm not going to rush to the cinema. Yep. Um, next, I watched on Shudder, streaming service Shudder, if you have access to that, I watched um, the latest movie from Neil Marshall, director of Dog Soldiers and The Descent and Doomsday. Um, some films I enjoy very much, the Lair, which, the Lair, which is about a um a pilot played by Charlotte Kirk who crashes in the desert somewhere and finds a a, a an abandoned a Russian base full of monster things, and she recruits a group of soldiers to go and fight the monster things. Um, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Worst or best? Worst. <laughs> Awful. Absolutely <laughs> abhorrently terrible. Um, upsettingly bad for a director that's made some uh, good stuff in the past to mm-hmm. see, like incompetently made, not just bad, like poorly made, like mm-hmm. very poorly made. The action is so badly shot, the lighting mm-hmm. is bad, the cinematography is bad, the special effects are bad. It's all just deeply terrible. I only mention it really because normally I'd watch a film like this and not bother bringing it up on the podcast. I mention it because um, anyone who's interested, go and read about the relationship between Neil Marshall, the director of this film, and Charlotte Kirk, the lead actor. Um, they are in a relationship, which is mm. fine. There was a there was a big age gap between them, but whatever they can do, what they want. Um, but Charlotte Neil Marshall made the Hellboy movie that David Harbour is in. Um, a few years ago, and Charlotte mm. Kirk had been sort of somehow involved with a producer of that movie who tried to get Charlotte Kirk cast in the film. Uh, another producer on the film who kind of had say over casting saw that she's a bad actress. So refused to have her be in the film. She then met Neil Marshall, who fell in love with her immediately. And Neil Marshall tried to get her role in the film. And again, the producer said, absolutely not. And Neil Marshall, apparently, there's a quote somewhere in some article I read, announced in frustration that he he will now dedicate his life solely to making movies starring Charlotte Kirk. And the first of those movies was called, what was it called? It was about a witch. Uh, I haven't seen it, but it's supposed to be awful. Um, what's it called? What's it called? What's it called? The Reckoning, um, about the about a witch played by Charlotte Kirk, meant to be bad, and then this is the second collaboration between the two, which she's like helping to write it and produce it and stuff. The Lair, uh, which she stars in, abhorrently bad, and she is awful in it. This actress, and up next is Duchess, another collaboration between the two. Uh, which is like an an East End Cockney gangster movie, um, which will probably not be good as well. Just fascinating. This is a guy who, he made Dog Soldiers, he made The Descent, Doomsday, Centurions, going to be quite good as well. 
And mm-hmm. he just seems to, have, and he made a couple of, he did a couple of episodes of Game of Thrones and a few other quite good episodes of TV. And he just seems like he's decided he wants to entirely pivot into making bad movies with um this lady that he's sort of fallen for. But is she a bad actress? She's so, t- I don't like to be unfair and cruel on people, but she is awful. Wow. She is unrepentantly <laughs> terrible in, um, in the lair. And she wrote it, and the worst thing that is the dialogue. It's just wow. shocking. Um, and I think it's Vanity Fair. If you look up Charlotte Kirk Vanity Fair listeners, yeah. uh, there is quite a long article about how her involvement in various things led to the. I think the CEO of Warner Brothers needing to resign, and some other big Hollywood producer had to resign because oh they goodness. got involved in in some kind of sex scandal with her. No judgment on her personal life or anything like that. She can do whatever she wants. But as a professional actor writer, I was stunned to see that that movie was exists because it's wow. it's 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 stunning. Anyway, stunningly bad. Stunningly bad. It won't. It will not be in recommendations at the end of the episode. Um, although that Vanity Fair article probably will be because you should you should read that. That's the only thing you should do from the lair. Anyway, that's the lair. Don't watch it ever. It's not even not even in a so bad it's good way. Just don't don't watch the lair. Just don't. <laughs> um, moving on to a film, uh, which according to when did it come out in America? Good lord. Okay, came out last June in America, but only just came out in um in the UK now, but uh premiered at some film festival in 2021 so wikipedia names it a 2021 film which is bonkers um marcel the shell with shoes on ah yeah yeah um this is a sort of faux documentary uh stop motion animated movie it's been nominated for best animated film at the oscars and i think maybe the baftas as well um Directed by Dean Fleischer Camp, who kind of stars in it. Um, written by Dean Fleischer Camp and Jenny Slate and Nick Pally. You know Jenny Slate, don't you, Alex? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, and Jenny Slate voices Marcel the Shell with yeah. shoes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, based on a series of web shorts that De- Dean Fleischer Camp and Jenny Slate made together mm. years ago. They used to be married. They're not married anymore, but they could still made this film together, which is you know, I'm, we can all be glad that they did because it's it's good. Follows the adventures of. Um, Marcel, the shell with shoes on, who is discovered by um, Dean, who has, his relationship with his wife has gone badly and he's moved Mm. out of his home and he's now staying in an Airbnb. And in this Airbnb, he discovers a tiny little one inch tall shell (laughs) wearing shoes called Marcel, voiced by Jenny Slate, who Mm. he then decides to make a documentary about. And the movie ends up pivoting into being an attempt to reunite Marcel with his missing family uh, and discover where they are. Most of the film is pretty much just Dean following Marcel around this house as he kind of explains his philosophy on life. And um, and and spends time with his only remaining family member, who is uh, Nana Connie, uh, voiced by Isabella Rossellini, who has, a, who has an Italian accent because Nana Connie grew up in the garage and not the house. <laughs> um, and it's a very sweet, pleasant lovely little film it is a pg and it is a children's film in some ways but it's very much like it's like a jib it's like a ghibli film in the way that like it doesn't it doesn't try to be flashy and fast Mm. and 
it has faith in children mm. finding the joy in something without it needing to be kind of you know fart jokes yeah. and, and jumping around kind of thing um <laughs> and that makes it really appropriate for adults as well i i really 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 enjoyed it um it's just got like some very good there's a good like one of the best jokes early on is where Marcel is demonstrating to Dean how he gets around the house. And one of his methods of travel is he's hollowed out. No, it's not hollowed out. He's cut a hole into a tennis ball um, mm. in a way that it's a little door and he gets inside the tennis ball and then just rolls around the house, bumping into things. And that's very funny. And then he shows how he's he's constructed a rope. He's hung a rope between the window and the tree outside so he can get to this tree to get the fruit off it. And mm. he kind of uh, slides along the rope in a shoe. and um dean says where did you get this rope from and marcel goes oh i'll show you and he leads him to the bathroom and he goes in the <laughs> bath and he goes down to the plug hole and goes we pull the hairs out of here they're really really curly but when we straighten them out they're really strong <laughs> and he <laughs> and then marcel's just like why are you laughing and the camera's just shaking as dean's laughing because obviously he realizes that it's just pubes that this little shell's been pulling out of the <laughs> out of the um thing it's a very it's a it's a it's amazing it's a really wonderful film and i i made me cry at the end Mm. and um it's unexpectedly delightful and i'd recommend people Mm. check it out marcel the shell with shoes on is uh an absolute delight so check it out you should check it out alex you'd like it yeah yeah i'd be wanting to and be meaning to watch it for a while so yeah definitely yeah boy Finally, 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 sorry for taking so long. I've got for you um, my thoughts on the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe release. Quantumania! Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Um, The worst Marvel film. The worst? The worst Marvel film, according to all the critics. It's got 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's been absolutely savaged. Um, and destroyed. I saw it on Friday and I've spent two days really desperately trying to, because I feel like as a sort of amateur film critic, I should be able (laughs) to look at a movie that everyone agrees on as being bad and see the problems with it. And I, I, and I, I, I'm, I, maybe I'm, I'm a biased simp for Marvel. I really liked it. But have you noticed there's been kind of a war, a critical war against Marvel? Like it's getting a little bit to everybody's got an opinion if it's not exactly what they want. Yeah, yeah, it I seems think, I think like that. It feels like it's more like a, like a trend that now you have to hate on Marvel rather than enjoy the ride and watch the film as what it is, which is an action sci-fi film about superheroes. Yeah. has become a bit like Star Wars, hypercritical fans that think that they know what's best for a film. A lot of the um, criticism around Quantumania seems to be, I'm going to read from the Rolling Stone magazine mm. review of it for a moment, seems to be along these lines, right? This is from the middle of the review. At this point in time, anyone going into the Marvel Cinematic Universe is expected, if not required, to have committed every bit of inter-franchise minutiae to memory. There are 30 movies, and if you count the non-Disney Plus fair, 20 TV shows that claim to take place in and around an interconnected MCU, and any viewer who doesn't instantly remember every plot point, every passing reference, every potentially teased development, and Easter egg and character history and footnote to big world-altering events can quickly find themselves in the weeds. 
MCU culture may be the closest thing we have to a pop monoculture right now, but it requires a scholarly knowledge of a constantly updating, perpetually mutating saga playing out over too many timelines and multiverses to keep track of. Hmm. And so it seems to, a lot of it seems to be like, just never made too many movies now and it's, it's too complicated. And yeah, (laughs) but it's, that's an amazing achievement. It's like now people, people for years were going, it's incredible. This interconnected storytelling. And now it's at a point where people are like too many films, I reckon. And it's like, how can they, the very thing you were, you were congratulating them on five, 10 years ago is now the thing you're saying is, is ruining it. And it's like, look, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is a sequel to Ant-Man and the Wasp. And a sequel to Ant-Man. Sure. And builds on events from those two movies. And sure, there is, like, in Loki, we met the he who remains, who is a variant of Kang the Conqueror, who is the mm. main villain in this film, etc. If you haven't seen Loki, that's fine. You're not in the weeds. I, d- no. I don't understand. Like, the movie tells its own story. Mm. And... Is it is it brilliantly well told? Probably not. Like, is it a masterpiece in storytelling? No. Is it a two hour long, which is for a Marvel movie now is would be considered short? Mm. Is it a two hour long bit of fun? Yes. Does it does it introduce things that are going to be relevant in future movies in this in this universe? A hundred percent. It's it introduces the villain that's going to be the main villain going forwards for like the next few movies mm. of Avengers and stuff. Sure, but it also it tells a story in and of its own making, and I and and I I really enjoyed it, and I don't fully understand why everyone dislikes it. Just to talk about the movie itself briefly, Paul Rudd's back. He's very. I I love Paul Rudd. It's a, yeah. this is a Paul Rudd movie. Like that that immediately is starting like. in a good position with me. <laughs> Evangeline yeah. Lilly, I have, she's, her views on COVID and vaccines and stuff in the pub, in the public domain recently have been annoying and she seems like someone I don't like. She doesn't have a big, despite this movie could be called Ant-Man and the Wasp, it really feels like an Ant-Man movie. Mm. And I'm, because of Evangeline Lilly's issues, or my issues around her, that's fine as far as I'm concerned. Mm. But you could criticise the film for kind of sidelining her character a bit if you wanted to. But then you've also got returning from the past Michael Douglas. Yeah. Who is great, very funny in it. Mm. You've got um, Michelle Pfeiffer, who is phenomenal in it, really good and has a really big role in the film. Replacing the actors who have played the character previously, Cassie Lang, uh, Paul Rudd's daughter in the movie, is now played by Catherine Newton, uh, an actress who I think is great. She was in a film called Freaky, which yeah. I loved. She was in a movie called, she was in the Pokemon Detective Pikachu film, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, to see her step up into a huge, huge blockbuster like this, um, I think she does a really good job and she's really good in the movie and I really enjoyed her. Uh, another newcomer to the world, not not really a newcomer actually, because like I said, he was in Loki, but Jonathan Majors plays Kang mm. in this film. Phenomenal, like really, really good. I'm really excited to see what they do with him going forwards. Um, and yeah, the movie itself takes place primarily in the quantum realm, tiny little microscopic dimension that exists underneath our own, that um, our lead four characters, our family of shrinking people get sucked into at the start of the movie, and the, the, the plot of the movie is their attempts to get home, and the quantum realm, it turns out, is basically Star Wars. 
So we've got nice. we've got cantina bars with weird aliens in, and we've got like wow. rebel, rebels fighting the evil empire and all of this stuff. And like you can tell oh. that Star Wars is a huge influence Lovely. on the film. And I'm here for it. I am absolutely mm. here for like Kang is basically Darth Vader or the Emperor. He's ba- he's got what is essentially stormtroopers that we're fighting against. Like. None of this is particularly original, but it looks nice. It's very CGI heavy, but at this point, I, I, I don't care anymore. Like, it would be, mm. would it be better if it was practical effects? Yes. Does it matter? Not to my enjoyment of the film. It's fine. Um, it, it, it's just a fun sci-fi weird mm. romp. It's not a masterpiece. It won't go down as the best Marvel movie. Yeah. But I enjoyed it, and I think people yeah. should have an open mind. And I think if you had only watched Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp, you would understand mm. this film. There would be nothing in this movie that you wouldn't grasp. It's fine, okay. <clears throat> it's your turn. Do you not want to talk about episode four and five of The Last of Us? Yeah, well, we can talk. We can segue into your culture catch up now. Yeah. Starting so. With that. Yeah, well, very quickly, because I don't know if you then would like to do a special at some point. I'd really want to do a special on it, but we can talk about it. Okay. We can talk about it a little bit. What did you think of episode four and five as a non-game player? Uh, epi- so uh, episode four and five as a non-game player, I've realised now that I should not... Um, anybody that comes into this in every episode, unless it is Joel or um, Ellie, I should not like them. Or at least form <laughs> form mean? form. I should not form an emotional bond with them because mm. I know that I'm going to regret it and be upset about it. Interestingly, that's true for the <laughs> first five. game. Yeah, but when they adapt to the second game, okay, that's less true. Where you there are okay. characters you can form strong emotional bonds with that that won't be brutally murdered <laughs> within one or two episodes. Yeah. So 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 this series has been a bit a bit of a climax until now. Like they, we haven't had much action until episode four. There is has been a bit of action at the yeah. first in the first episode, but then it's been quite mellow. And then we had episode three, which you know we all loved with uh, you know Frank and Bill, which was lovely. And then they leave Frank and Bill's, and you know, and in episode four we we find another world because they can't they're driving and they can't uh, get through and so they have to drive into Kansas City uh, is it Kansas, Kansas City and there there's been a revolution mm, the people's militia have taken over so so um this revolution has happened against Fedra which are the people the um, the government i think is the the yeah and as bill said in episode 3 they're effectively just nazis so not, yeah they're nazis and no, they're definitely terrible people. And so there's been this revolution, but because they have to protect themselves, they, they're revolutionaries. They're also going against their own people, which have been spies. <laughs> um, so, so in episode four, it's very scary. If I, yeah, episode four is quite, it's quite scary because they, they meet other humans. And at the moment, the, 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 peop- the things that you're most scared of are not the fungi. <laughs> Are the humans, mm-hmm. and so they meet these humans, and you're terrified about other humans. You're not actually terrified about the fungi, so that's quite fun to uh, do. And of course, Joel is the coolest guy and shoots everybody down. And God, I love that guy. I I love Pedro Pascal. Yeah, he's way. amazing. He's phenomenal. Have you seen an interview that where 
where yeah, I think he did an SNL recently, and he did like a like this uh, Valley Girl accent. Oh, is that when he's in a hospital bed? Yeah, and he keeps breaking. Car- yeah, I have seen that. Yeah, it's very good. But then then he does an interview in a late night show, and it's just funny how he talks about The Last of Us in this Valley Girl. Oh, we can watch it in my tube if you want. It's sure. so funny, and I just love him. He's so lovely, and I love Ellie, and you know they. They're fighting and they grow up spaces and stuff like that. And so that's quite uh, terrifying. But they manage to escape. But then at the end of the episode, they meet. Uh, Henry and Sam? Henry and Sam. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> well, they're good people. Wanna, they're not I bad I don't want to talk about it. So no. let's move on. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> They meet Harry and Sam, and they're good people, and they help each other. Oh Sam God, is your inter- um, your inter- deaf. Your internet doesn't want to talk about it either. No? <laughs> you're, you're just froze for a moment, but you're back, it's fine. Uh, Sam <clears throat> is deaf, and... Um, Interestingly, not in the game. Not in the game, yeah. but he is really nice, he's deaf, and I loved watching the making of the episode where everybody like tried to learn ASL, and uh, Bella Ramsey said that, they thought that they that was one of the the best episodes because they loved working with um the actor what's his name the I don't know I, I don't the, know I'm the actor that plays Sam and uh, it was really good that they cast an actual uh, deaf child and I don't know mm. I I I like that episode uh, they help each other they leave Kansas and then but then while they leave Kansas there's like mushrooms <laughs> the fungi come out we they do we see but they a, come out with a vengeance we like see a, those we see a bloater a bloater That's, that was why was he so big well the idea so the idea in the game is that the the the, the normal infected that just look like normal people broadly but have like a bit of fungus on their face yeah they've been recently infected the clickers yeah, okay where the mushroom has sort of erupted <sighs> over their head disgusting. and they use sonar they've been a they've been a uh, infected for a while yeah the bloaters are supposed to be supposedly you know that's someone who was infected basically when it happened 20 years ago and has just okay. been huge like horrible and i think the idea is that they've been, they were infected a very long time ago and then they haven't really been able to the infect they've they've been trapped somewhere so the infection has just sort of grown over them over the years and turn them into this huge in the in the game they rip off bits of their own body and fling it at you it's horrible oh my god um that scene was insane i i screamed at this <laughs> at my like at my laptop i was like what no go run stop it was insane i loved every second of that episode mm. until the end i'm not going to like anybody else from now on i promise and very cold. Anybody that comes, I don't care about them. Okay. Well, I, mm, no. Wait. I don't wait, want to care. Wait for David. I You'll don't like David. want to care. You like David. My heart has been broken already twice, and it's only episode five. Okay. Maybe three times. But David's safe. Four. When David arrives, you can. You'll you'll see. Fine. David, you can get invested. In Fine. Okay. No, it's still a great show. I'm really enjoying it. I I, I enjoy the fact that. 
it, that things are feel like a video game sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like you're hiding behind a car and you're invisible in a way. That happens in that exact sequence. Yeah. And you have to in you have to as Joel run around and get up behind the guy, the sniper yeah. guy in the house and stuff like that. All and, is in the game. And it's quite wonderful that you can you can you can think that this is a video game. It is inspired what is 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 from a video game and that it does feel like a video game mm-hmm. where you you're protected by the car. In reality, there were so many people, they're not protected by the by a car. And I like I like that mm-hmm. the fact that there is time to think and not just like attack. Yeah. And then when when the the sinkhole opens and all the fungi come out, you're just like, oh, and everybody's just watching. Without doing anything for a while, and I just yeah, those I think kind you'd of be moments. A bit like, what the hell do I do about this? Yeah, or, yeah, um, and it's it's quite it's quite fun to watch it. And two little bits of two little bits of game fan trivia for you. Yeah. Three bits actually. Number one, that sequence in the game, which is one of the best parts of the game, um, it's a sort of faceless militia. You never that none of them are ever characterized in any way. They're just enemies okay. that you fight against. So like the character Kathleen was invented whole cloth for the show. Melanie Melanie Linsky. Perfect. Phenomenal actress. Yeah. Don't you dare have say anything negative about Melanie Linsky. She Some people is have. incredible. I know, and those people are Which is ridiculous. I, she's so great. Somebody posted a photo of her that she did, like a photo shoot she did for a magazine where she looks quite glamorous with the yeah. caption, does this look like the body of somebody who lives in a... Po-? No, because yeah. she doesn't live in a post-apocalypse moron. What, what do you want her to... <laughs> <laughs> God's sake, she's so good in that role, and the the, the fact really that they good. wrote, and again, this is the thing that's annoyed people, but the fact that they wrote the leader of the militia as being like a sort of Karen rather than being, you know, like the guy her 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 mate with the beard. Another show would have just had him be the leader, yeah. But no, making it makes it so much more interesting to have her be yeah. the <clears throat> be the you know why is she you know people are like why would they listen to her why would she be in control that's what makes it interesting why is she in control we'll never really know but there must no. be some reason something about her anyway mm. that's number one <laughs> number two um the guy with the big beard right he's actually the actor that plays joel's brother in the game oh. mm. and he's got a very distinctive voice it's really odd hearing him in the show and number three when the bloater Mm. grabs that guy and rips his head off that is a um an animation that happens to joel if you get caught by a bloater in the game wow yeah the cool little uh easter egg moment so yeah amazing stuff amazing what else have we got what else have we got so i watched a couple of movies uh i watched a movie written and directed by dave franco Mm -hmm. and written also written by his wife, Alison Brie, and starring Alison Brie. The film is called Somebody I Used to Know. No, that's a, that's a Got Ye song, Alex. Yeah, but it's also this, the, it's a great song. Yeah, Somebody is. used to know. Um, and it stars Alison Brie, which I love, adore. She's amazing. As Ali, <clears throat> uh, a workaholic uh, that her show... Uh, has been cancelled. Her show is called Desert Wars and is in a desert. It's a stupid reality TV show. Wait, desert desert Wars or Desert Wars? I don't know. Desert Wars. It's like it's about desert, but on an island. Island Desert Wars. I don't know. I just <laughs> felt... I, I just... That that concept of a, t- of a reality TV show was so 
meta and stupid that that already annoyed me about this film and that you know where we're going towards <laughs> um and then um she's a workaholic and that's kind of her thing and her show gets cancelled her reality show gets cancelled so she decides to go home and uh, in a bar randomly she meets her ex-boyfriend played by jay ellis who i love from the show insecure um and um they kind of have a really fun night together and uh kind of reminiscing about how they used to love each other but then you don't know they love each other like it's a really it's a really weird <clears throat> you only find that out later or if you've watched um, the trailer or if you watch the trailer um well basically the trailer tells you everything yeah i feel and like i've seen the movie because i've seen the trailer. yeah yeah basically you have seen the movie and um and yeah, and so then the next day she finds out that he is getting married and suddenly in a town where she hasn't been for 10 years, everybody's like her best friend and uh, one of her best friends is uh, Danny Pudi, another fantastic person from Community. And in a way, that's why I watched this film because I love Alison Brie, I love Danny Pudi, I love Community together. They would be incredible. Um, and basically is... Uh, that uh just her trying to figure out if she still wants sean or not um so just something with this film just didn't work for me i found it i thought the writing was terrible oh no i like they there's a lot of toilet humor and uh, the, the jokes are just not they're just not funny and um the chemistry between the characters is completely off. Like Jay Ellis is um the one of the main characters in Insecure, and he has chemistry even with the tables. You know, he's a beautiful actor, but he didn't have chemistry with none of the two. Neither Alison Brie, who is his ex girlfriend, neither uh Kissy Clemens, who plays Cassidy, his wife. Uh, it just didn't work. Um, it was um. I just, and for some reason, I felt it was a it was a lost opportunity. Like I love when you can make well romantic comedies a little bit different. I read that and, their main because they said their main inspiration when writing it and making it was the sort of Nora Ephron types of romantic comedies like Sleepless in Seattle, where it's sort of not not laugh out loud silly jokes all the time, but sort of like jokes that are built up properly and based on character and stuff like that. And I kind of thought you'd like it because I know that you like. Sleepers in Seattle and Nora Ephron stuff and But things. I like romantic <clears throat> comedies. But the jokes they put were not intelligent jokes. Like I said, it was very toilet humor joke. Yeah. And uh it was weird it, it it just didn't they were they were trying to make a point about something. They were trying to be different in the kind of romantic comedy where not necessarily the two people that you want to get together get together. But I didn't, it just, it was just a mi- it was just a mixture between different films with bad writing and no chemistry and, and I don't know. Well. And I, it, it kind of made me a little bit upset because I love Alison Brie and I don't like not liking her in a film. Mm. And um, <clears throat> with, with the amount of like experience that these, especially Alison Brie and Dave Franco have in the comedy world to make such 
<laughs> such a film that has not funny at all. It was just like, what a missed opportunity. Who has who watched this film and went, oh, this is great? I, I don't know. Well, it's interesting that Dave Franco's last movie was his take on a home invasion horror film, which I really like home invasion type horror yeah. films, and I thought it was awful. I hated it so much. And now his next movie is trying to do a sort of Nora Ephron star romantic comedy, yeah. which is the kind of movie that you're into. Yeah. And he's done a I- bad job of that. So is he just going to keep picking genres and making hate hateful films? Yeah, I don't even dislike Dave Franco too much. I just don't know what he's. That's why I'm upset. I'm like, I like you. I like Alison Brie. I like the actors that were in this film. But you made me just. And I thought about it after, and I was so angry. I was just like, why did you? Why did you make such a bad film? Yeah. Not bad. Just so shallow. It was a very shallow film. Just extremely shallow. There was never. It was about you know a woman that chooses a man. You know, in twenty twenty three, you don't need to choose a relationship or your career. You, you this pretty much. You know, we we passed that. Let's make something different. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I'm sorry. I yeah, I I really wanted to like it and I didn't. But um, it didn't do too badly. Like on Rotten Tomatoes, like seventy three percent. So it's it's people have enjoyed it, um, but I haven't. Sorry. Um, next film I watched, I watched a a, a film, a three hour and seven minute long oh, I know Indian is. film. R R R. O M G. OMG, what to say about this film? So uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's an Indian film about uh, two figures, revolutionary figures, uh, fighting against the British uh, Raj. Uh, and um, they both have different um, agendas, but they get together to then create this like superhero and in reality, they never met, right? Or they never met. Yeah. No, they never met. So it's basically like if these two uh, revolutionaries <clears throat> met, what would have happened? Yeah. Uh, they never met. But in this film, they meet. And oh boy, oh boy. Um, and this is their journey to fight against uh, the British Empire. Um, it's incredible. It's like one of the most over-the-top, entertaining films I've ever seen. It's got wild stunts, and then it just cuts into some kind of, like, incredible dancing, Desi dancing, Uh, and then it goes to, like, really emotional, like, oh, the British Empire is awful, and you cry, and then in the next scene there are tigers and and wolves have been gathered to, like, fight the the British Empire, and then uh, it's incredible it's so much fun uh you feel all of the emotions you can possibly feel and um it's amazing i would recommend anyone to watch it it's too long it's too action-packed to exactly tell you exactly what happens but it's amazing um, <laughs> i usually out a little three-hour film by the two hours i'm like oh has it finished yet it just basically went like this it just went so quickly because it's so entertaining and um uh, the two main actors um that play um beam and raju are amazing uh they're really fun um the director really wanted to like show 
that male friendship is really important. So they have this real bromance in the film that you love. And when when they realise they're kind of what they is the classic film where the two main people don't really tell each other that they're both fighting for the same thing. So they, at one point, one thinks it's a trait and the other, like, they're both traitors. And when the <sighs> bromance ends, you're just, like, upset. And <clears throat> it's amazing. It's so good. George, I think you will love it. <laughs> yeah. The only annoying thing that I found, and uh, it, it, was a, it was a criticism of the director as well. You can find this film on Netflix, and it's... um. It's filmed in Telugu, which is one of the languages that are in India, uh, but it's dubbed in Hindi. Why? And so you think you're watching it in the main language, Hindi. And then after the first half hour, I was really confused. And so I just watched it in English. So that's that's the annoying bit that I am. The director criticized Netflix for that because... Um, Why? What? what? I, I know. What? Why? I know. Why? I know. Hopefully they'll put it in Telugu soon because that would be interesting to watch it in the actual language that it was filmed. Um, (laughs) Yeah. What? Um, Yeah. Oh, I don't... Mm. Mm. But if you watch it in English, it's okay. I know, I know, but it's definitely worth watching it. It's so much fun. Watching dubbed stuff. Me too. And it was weird because we were watching, we were watching, we're like, oh, we're not watching a dub. But then the, it wasn't matching. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, I watched a movie. I didn't talk about it on the podcast. I watched a movie a few couple of months ago called The Witch. Not mm. that one. A Korean film on yeah. Shudder. And this is worse mm. than even what you're describing. In Sh- on Shudder, The Witch is in Korean, as it should be, yeah. as it was filmed. Yeah. But over the course of the movie, the subtitles slip out of sync. So that by about the halfway point, the, oh the words at the bottom of the screen are, are the words that were said by the mouth of a person like five seconds earlier. And you're watching oh. someone else say something in response to the words. Awful. Awful. Just do oh. do it properly. Inter- yeah. International cinema. Respect it, please. And stop. Yeah. And the <clears> other <throat> thing is. The de- <laughs> this is one thing that might irritate you. So you have to just go with the flow. You know how much I love, I hate dubbing. And so the film is dubbed and in English and uh, it will ha- is dubbed by Indian actors. But the, what they say doesn't match the subtitles. <laughs> what? Okay. But you can turn the sub. But can you turn the subtitles? I, th- off? I hope you can turn the subtitles off. I usually watch stuff with subtitles anyway. If I miss something, so I nearly swore. Yeah. I nearly swore then on our podcast out of annoyance. Yeah, but it's a oh, it's so much fun, and also very sad, but also very fun. So, the, so you can watch it in are incredible. English, Turkish, Portuguese, Hindi, or Spanish, but not in the yeah. actual languages originally. No, no, and the the director was very angry about that. Uh, yeah. I can't see any subtitles on screen right now. Uh, yeah, it looks like it's... Although it's just people punching each other. No one's talking. <sighs> yeah, well, that's oh, the thing. Yeah, Sometimes no, you can watch it without subtitles. Okay, good. Stupid film. And, yes. I mean, but good if... film, stupid Netflix. Sorry, yes. go on. And... Um... It's the highest growth is the rec is the highest grossing Indian film ever made. 
Like, it's insane. And People have been talking yeah. about this film non-stop for a, over a year. Since it came out, yeah. people have been obsessed with it. And yeah, I it's three hours long. Just watch it with people. I watched it drinking some gin. It was wonderful. It was such a ride. Okay. It's so much fun. Um, and then I watched um, a series on Disney Plus called Extraordinary. Oh, okay. Yes, and it's um, a hero film. <laughs> hero. It's, it's a superhero uh, sitcom. Yeah, it's a superhero sitcom. Yeah, uh, based in London, and um, it's a uh, it's a reality where when you turn eighteen, you will get a superpower. Uh, it could be anything. It could be like as cool as flying, uh, or invisibility to three uh, D printing or making PDFs. So it's to getting a power is completely random and uh, the main character jen is now 25 and she still hasn't received her power no that's embarrassing yeah so it's a bit like encanto (laughs) Uh, she still received her power and um she uh she feels kind of left out and a little bit not uh you know good about herself um but all of this is just uh kind of um you know it's it's just a sitcom with like some friends have just graduated from uni and they all live in a house in london and they you know they've got crappy jobs or they don't have any jobs and um they have casual sex and uh they take drugs and uh it's quite fun because it's quite a good oxymoron you know superpowers superpowers and um and also normal kids <laughs> living their life in london so it's quite um it's it's good it's it's fun i think the the first few episodes are really great because it's kind of different and everybody's got these powers and the powers sometimes are really silly and um it's it's kind of a fun kind of coming of age after university kind of feeling mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but then it kind of gets a re- bit of repetitive towards the end and i hope I liked it, but I hope the second season they can explore like something a little bit different okay. and um, make it more fun. But it's good. It's fun. It's a fun watch. And then uh, an album recommendation, uh, that uh, an album that I listened to. Um, uh, this is uh, My 21st Century Blues by an artist called Ray. Uh, she's a British artist that has been trying to release an album for years. Uh, but... Um, her record label <laughs> wouldn't allow it, which sounds ridiculous. Just because her, um, I think I th- she got signed um after releasing um like an EP, self releasing an EP got got um signed by this uh, by Polydor, and then they didn't <laughs> they didn't uh, give her a record. Didn't they told her not to? She couldn't release a record because apparently one of her. Um, um, one of her like another EP that she released was a flop but it's like it's not all about the money it's about releasing music isn't it mm-hmm. that's what an artist wants to do but these um uh these record labels want to just make a lot of money and um I really enjoyed it it's, it's like compilations of songs that she wanted to release and they're fun um there's one that's really popular on TikTok uh so I already heard that a few times but I, I think I think it's a really different album and with a lot of um, personality and a lot of kind of... um, I don't agree. 
No, you don't like it? I think it's ambitious but uneven. Are you reading? I you're reading that bloody pitchfork thing. I, I I read that and I was like, I completely disagree. I think it's really varied and really fun. And the only the only song they like is the single <clears throat> Black Mascara. It's like piss off pitchfork. You only listen to that song. Well, they Sorry. say they like escapism. Whatever. And uh, but I there's one song that I really liked, which is called Environmental Anxiety, <laughs> which is about how you know we treat the world. And I just really like how she did it and how. By the end of the song, there's this laughter it, that then, like, it gets kind of... Mm, ah, what does Pitchfork say? It tries to cover so much ground that it occasionally feels glib. I... I they, they haven't listened to the album. Mm. <laughs> Are you going to listen to the album now that Pitchfork has? Uh, no, because I feel like she's still trying to work out what she wants to say. Once she realises what she wants to say... And is less uneven and fulfills her ambitions rather than fails to meet them. I might listen to her music. <laughs> Shut up. I hate <laughs> Don't mention Pitchfork. Um, no, I, and- I had ignored it because I saw that bad Pitchfork review and hadn't seen any mention of it anywhere else. But looking it up now, I can see that um, uh, The Guardian gave it four out of five. The Independent gave it five out of five. Uh, Enemy gave it four out of five. Telegraph gave it five out of five. I can see that yeah. it's, had, it's been well reviewed. But I hadn't seen any of those reviews. I'd just seen the pitch talk review and been like, oh, I guess, I don't know, what, didn't bother with it. But now I will listen to it. Because what I do now, I don't I don't read reviews before listening to an album. I just listen to an album. And then I go to Pitchfork to make me like the album even more. Yeah. So I, I like this album. And then I read the review, the Pitchfork review. And I was like, I love this album, Pitchfork. Like the with the Rina Sawayama album. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I hadn't even heard of her. Like, I just didn't know who she was at all. If you see what I mean. Yeah. To, to listen to. But yeah, cool. Yeah, the 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 what I like also about the album is it starts with somebody presenting Ray, uh, and um, you expecting like a like an American voice because the presenter is American, and then you have um, Ray who's British uh, speaking, and then uh, the end of the album she thanks people for listening to the album, and I quite like that because it's quite humble to say, oh, thank you for taking the time to listen to my album, and I think that was quite nice. That's the British way. Yeah, thank you very much. Sorry, I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and that's it for my week. It's um... quite the week. Okay, you ready to watch some movie trailers? Movie, yeah. start with a bad one. Oh, is that the flash? No. Oh, even worse. Ooh, you'll see. Oh. Exciting times. So, a judge is presenting Children of the Corn. <laughs> what the? 
The children what? of the corn. Are you ready for the children of the corn? I'm uh, I'm ready for the children of the corn. Good. This is a bad trailer. Uh, we'll see. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. This is the new adaptation of the children of the corn. What is that? Oh. oh okay. Prepare to witness the horrific rise of the next generation of... Oh. Wow. So we're in America in the... This is based on a Stephen fields. King story. If you... Ah, sorry. Okay. So there's been already been an adaptation. There's yeah? been like 10 Children of the Corn films. Okay. And there's a cornfield. I would never go into a cornfield. I'd be too scared. There's too many bad things happening in cornfields. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, you know. Um... Ah, so is it like a place run by evil children? It's an evil children film, which I'm always a little bit on board for. Okay, because children are evil. <laughs> oh. Okay. And the and the adults have been put in prison. Maybe, or just smashed smashed up in the head. Wow. Okay, so they're in prison and these kids are going to kill the adults because they're the children of corn. They're wild. Oh. Oh, and they're properly going at it. They're burning the city. They've got blood on the faces. Things are exploding. Everyone's on fire. Burn! Children. Do you not think it's going to be good? Well, I think the voiceover ruins the trailer. Children of the Corn. Based on the story by Stephen King. An epic journey through evil children. It's like a 90s trailer, right? It feels like a 90s trailer. It's so weird. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think of that trailer? I'm not going to watch Children of the Corn <laughs> unless you make me watch it. I don't care. <laughs> well, I'll let you know. Oh, what's going on? I don't want to stop it. Watch. I don't care. You know, just like... Is it a good book, at least? I haven't read the book, actually. Uh, it's it's based oh. on um, a lot of... There is there is a lot of... Um, there is a lot of... What am I looking to say to you here? Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. There's a lot of... Yes, of what? Children of the Corn movies. Like a lot of them. (laughs) Um, Too many. Well, they made one, and then they made like 15 more or something, but they're all like made for TV ones, so they're bad. So this is like a reboot. Mm. Uh, I've never seen... It's on Shudder. It's on Shudder. No, that is not a sign of quality. That is... (laughs) I told you about the lair. I I told you about the lair. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We'll see. I I, I think it does look all right, actually, but... um, it could be terrible. Okay, you ready for this? The Flash. Is this a good trailer? I'm not going to say anything. You're just going to watch it. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. All right. Tell me something. You can go anywhere. Another time. Okay, so Ezra Miller with his potato face universe. is there. <laughs> And it's very serious, like always. I don't know why they have to make it serious. It's the Flash. That's why I like Marvel. It's not serious. Well, just keep watching. Okay. I'm not going to lose her again. Oh, my mom lives. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Just don't like Ezra Miller. Time has a pattern. 
Okay. But it can't help reliving. Oh, is he gonna go around the world for six, 65 times and go right back in time like uh, Superman did? Possibly. <laughs> oh. Magnets. Oh, there are two Ezra's. Multiple Millers. Wow. If you were to go into the past. So that's why we have to no keep this film and fight and not the others. Bruce, I could fix things. Oh, it, I, I, this film is already annoying me. Oh, Ben is back. Ben Affleck as the Batman. Was he not fired? No. Ah. Oh. I'm sorry. There's too many like, this is not right. I created a world. Just oh, what is he becoming Batman? Is the Flash becoming Batman? Okay. The Batman's becoming Batman. Who's that? Is that Michael Keaton? Why? No! <laughs> Are they trying to do a Spider Man here? They could not do it. People won't remember him, apart remember from him. us. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what I said, just... If I can't get back, it's just, do your own thing, DC. Don't try and make Marvel future. films. Like, if they put a potato there instead of Ezra Miller, it will be the same the kind of acting. There won't be a die. future. Which... Who's Batman is that? Is that Michael Is that still Michael Keaton? It's not Cora. Oh my god, no. Cora. It looks bad, doesn't it? Or is it just me? What? Is that Superman? Superwoman? Supergirl. Who is she? Supergirl. Supergirl. What do you think about this trailer? Um, I don't like Ezra Miller, <clears throat> um, but I understand why they haven't cancelled it. Like, the, like the, the Batgirl movie, which I really want to see, and I'm annoyed they cancelled it, but the Batgirl movie was made for streaming and was quite a cheap film. This movie will have cost over $200 million to make and just has to be released in order for them to try and make any money back because they're having, like, serious financial difficulties. Um... So I, so I, but it looks bad. Um, I don't think it does look bad. I think it looks okay. potentially okay. I just, I just say when there's just so much tension, it's like it's just a flash movie, and this is the world I want to live in. Yeah, but you, My, you can it's say just that weird. about any no superhero no, film, right? Not necessarily. But it's based on Flashpoint, which is this one where he does go to other dimensions and meet characters mm. from other dimensions and stuff. And they're bringing in Michael Keaton, which kind of I like Michael Keaton a lot, so I'm 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 on board for him being in it. I, mm. I, like I said, Ezra Miller, don't really care. I don't think Ezra Miller is going to play the Flash again. Mm. Um, I don't I don't know if this movie is going to be any good, but I think it looks better than Black Adam and I think it looks better than Shazam, which is also not cancelled and is coming out and looks terrible. Okay. The only one that's really cancelled is Batgirl, which was a bad thing that they shouldn't have done. Um, mm. but... And then, yeah, James Gunn, who I don't like, is going to make, um, I used to like a lot. 
Now I'm very yeah. bored of James Gunn. And mm. he's going to make a bunch. There's going to be a Superman movie and there's going to be a new Batman movie called Batman. It's not even called Batman. It's called like The Brave and the Bold or something. It's going to be Batman and his son, who's Robin, which is from, that's a thing. That's not, they've not made that up. Um, but then I like Robert Pattinson's Batman film. I want them to just do that. I don't know why. Now mm. they're, there's going to be yet another Batman. But then they're making stuff like they're going to make a Swamp Thing film. And I kind of, I'm in the, I'm, I'm there for a Swamp Thing film. I want to see a Swamp mm. Thing movie. So I don't know. But the Flash movie, I think, could potentially be something. Also, it's directed by the guy that made It, Andy Machete, who is a, a mm. good director. Um, it's just a pity that Ezra Miller is in it, but it, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, can I show you uh, I want to show you uh, um, Pedro Pascal sure Uh, so he did the SNL bit which is really funny I'm gonna show you like a bit they're talking about how fun the the Pedro Pascal doing the Valley Girl accent was um, um, in SNL Uh he's so lovely because he's just so like Unaware of how great he is. I want to ask you about. First of all, I was ap- I was so tickled by this sketch where you woke up in a coma from a coma. <laughs> it seems a line. He's just such a goof, isn't he? Yeah, he is a goof. They were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> this is the why. <laughs> uh, yeah, we would talk like that on the set of the last of us it started with uh uh which, which i guess you have to do to like deal with what you're processing on the last yeah. yeah deal with somebody dying every episode in front of you uh now i'm gonna watch the last of us with my wife and at the end of every episode i'm gonna be like i'm so sad oh my god <laughs> exactly those mushrooms be in business no colors <laughs> i can't believe it died <laughs> it was like my favorite one <laughs> Oh no, what's gonna happen now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it was very It's so cute. Like, so I love him. Like, nice. what's gonna happen? Yeah, he's lovely. Yeah, love, love Pedro. <clears throat> I love Pedro. I love the. Did you ever watch The Mandalorian? I think I watched a few of the first season, but I'm gonna watch. Yeah, some more. I mean, it's not as much because it's, it's all him in the suit and stuff, mm. but, um, you know, it's Pedro Pascal. He's good. Pedro, yes. It's bloody brilliant. The only thing is, no, he's. I guess he's fine. But that that second Wonder Woman movie that he plays the bad guy in is um a mess. But um yeah, but it's just a messy film, isn't it? Yeah, but you know he does he does what they asked him to do. It's just very weird. Okay. Yeah. Um. That that brings us to the end of this episode, episode number ninety four of uh, Culture Culture Bucket Podcast. Um. Just time for some recommendations. I think people should watch Marcel the Shell with shoes on, and also Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. Stop nice. and just, you know, have a not open mind. It's not as if you have to support Marvel. They're the biggest thing in the business. But, you know, just, I don't know. I think it's good. I like Paul Rudd. Have some fun, guys. Yeah. Yeah, have some fun. All right. Uh, what would you recommend people do? I would recommend, of course, to watch RRR. Great film. Is that about fun. pirates? It, but it's about pirates. Yes. No, it's not about pirates. Uh, and uh, I would recommend to watch, uh, to listen to the album um, by Ray, My 21st Century Blues. My 21st Century Blues. Interesting. Not somebody that I used to know. Nope. 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 
Well, no, watch it and let me know what you think. Maybe I'm just overreacting. But it's not, Maybe it's I was not expecting a recommendation. It's just a go and yeah. Okay. Give us your opinions. I would like to know what you think about this film. You can find it on Amazon Prime. Very easy. Very easy. So very like easy. Very easy. Very easy. Okay. So, yeah, thank you so much for that. Uh, this has been episode number 94 of the Culture Bucket Podcast. Um, please join us uh, next week for episode 95, where we'll be doing um, Culture Bucket of Our Lives 2006 through to 2015. Um, can't wait for you to join us for that. Oh, and rate and review us on everything and get bars of coffee if you'd like to. Uh, link in the link tree, which is on the link for the show notes. If this is yes, please. Bye. 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 Bye